Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. I'm excited to have our next guest, Mindy Day, who's currently the Senior Community Manager at Patreon. She has worked as a community builder for over seven years and a bunch of really amazing brands. Today, we're going to be talking about how to actually measure trust in a brand through community and what the path looks like to becoming an engaged member. Take a listen. Mindy, can you tell us what Patreon is and what your role is there? Yeah. So um, Patreon's mission is to fund the creative class. And what that really means in practice is that every day we're helping creators build and run their own membership program that allows them to kind of get closer with their community, establish ongoing revenue and, and kind of give them that creative independence by asking their biggest supporters to kind of support them on a monthly basis. Like maybe they'll give $5 a month and they'll get an extra podcast episode or a behind the scenes look and, and things like that. What role do the company values play in the Patreon community? I mean, the, the number one core behavior at Patreon is put creators first. So that makes my job super easy because that's basically saying put the community first and having that kind of buy-in and understanding across the whole company is really special. Awesome. Have you been able to quantify the trust? You've been able to quantify the trust of the brand extremely well, and you've proved the role that community could play. Could you break down how you measure trust? It seems like a really hard thing to quantify. It is. And I know it's one of those it's one of those big things. So we spent a lot of time over the past six to eight months working on this because it became a really important metric for Patreon is trust did a lot of work with the user research team, the data science team, to establish a trust survey that goes out every month to a random selection of creators in our community and it asks them the same same questions every month and that gives us a trust score. And then from that, I'm able to pull out from that whole bucket creators who are involved in the community, so in the forum or they've, they've come to an event that I've run. And then I'm able to compare their trust survey score versus creators who who aren't in the community. I'd love to hear about what are some, you know, do you have any inspiring stories or anything, you know, that you've seen happen or been a part of that you could share? Yeah, I think the, I mean, there's kind of two kinds. There's the, there's the everyday ones that are special, you know, just when someone takes a moment to thank you for your work. Those moments always help make the job easier. But then there's the really big ones where one example comes to mind, you know, I first got introduced to a creator because she was really unhappy with some of the decisions Patreon had made recently and the responses that she was getting from other parts of the company and just not happy. There was, a, you know, a really painful bug that she had been experiencing for a couple of months and she kind of just got to a breaking point where she was just desperate to be heard. So I was able to, to reach out with her. I had a, a phone call with her, you know, was able to kind of explain the situation and then use her passion and her voice internally to really fight to get that bug fixed and prioritized quickly and not just let it kind of fall away. And then 
once the bug was fixed, going back to her and showing that we had delivered. And kind of over a six-month period, she ended up helping create our Discord server that we have now. She built it from scratch. She's a lead moderator on the Discord server, and she even co-hosted a meetup that we had in LA for creators. And I so that to me proves that even your most angry members are only angry because they care so much and are passionate and you know anyone can be can be turned around. You have a really interesting spectrum for your creators that shows sort of the stages of commitment along the way to subscription. Could you tell us about how listeners may be able to apply some of those principles to their sort of commitment inside of their community? Mm, yeah. So membership is a relatively new idea. Um, I think we're all used to kind of the subscription model where, you know, you pay Netflix $10 a month and you get access to movies. But the membership model is a little bit more nuanced than that. And we created this image that a sliding scale and on the one end of the scale is pure altruism. So they're people who support creators just because they love what they make. They don't care about any tangible benefits that come with it. They just want to, you know, hey, I love your podcast so much. It's free. Please take my $10 every month. Just keep making what you're making. I love it. Then on the other end of the scale is the purely transactional scale where it's, hey, I give you $10 a month and I definitely want that bonus episode every month. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm paying. And so that's that really helps creators frame their membership model. And I've, and I've found it useful to even think about community because different people are going to get different things from your community. And someone might join just to get that one answer to their question and then never come back again. But you, you know, you've helped them. And then other people just want to be involved and kind of give back to a community that that they're proud to be a member of. So it's it's definitely a spectrum thing. And you know, every creator is probably on a and community member has a you know a slightly different look on them. It's a great insight. I think what we saw building Startup Grind was, you know, we had people that would sort of bounce in and out, you know, across the spectrum and in the community, out of the community. Like we have this one person whose name is David Scanlon. He he was originally like a sponsor and he was the first person to attend an event in three continents and then he disappeared and then he came back two years later and it's like I want to run the Dublin chapter and He's been running that for five years and he just stepped down this past month. And I just told him, like, you know, he sent me this really thoughtful note. And, and I just said, hey, like, you'll be back. Don't worry. Like, just whenever you need us, come back. And I think this idea of like you sort of treat people a certain way, regardless of who they are, what they're doing. And then you just never know what's going to happen. If they're going to boomerang back, if they're going to jump up the ladder, jump down the ladder, you just, you know, just kind of be kind and be thoughtful and, you know, and what's best for the community members is ultimately good for us too and regardless of like how that sort of shakes out inside the platform yeah it's true and i've definitely seen that before and you know that's another thing to remember is that every person is going through different things in their lives and some you know i've you know students have very different cycles where during the summer that you know they want to be super involved but then when college starts back up again you know they're going to fade out or people have different parts going on in their lives and i think always having that safe base to return to is is a comfort and knowing that they'll they'll be there again is really important yeah we probably need to do an episode on like how to deal with college students in your community it's like an art unto itself a lot of meditation a lot of prescription medication so Every community has members who go the extra mile and who help. And I wonder, like, how do you approach, you know, dealing with these people? You know, do you have playbooks? Do you have guidelines? Do you get on the phone with them? Is it all scalable? Is it unscalable? How do you approach sort of dealing with that process? Oh, my gosh. That's a good question. I definitely don't have a playbook. <laughs> um, 
I think it's... It's good because no one reads them, so there's no point in creating it. I think it's it's kind of more like my own self-awareness is making sure I'm noticing those people who are the 1% and not letting them be ignored and, and taking that moment to thank them and say like, hey, like I saw that, that you did, that was really nice. And depending on your own program, maybe it's, and you know, that was awesome. And I'd love to send you a sticker or that was super cool. And would you be willing to do this kind of thing more often? So yeah, being self-aware to recognize them, taking the time to reach out, I think it does have to be personal. But the good, you know, when it becomes scalable is when you have a, when you can bring that 1% together and they can interact and then they're recognizing, you know, the new 1% who are coming up and they're suggesting to you and maybe they're reaching out. And so the first part is, is manual, but kind of the more that you exercise that muscle and the more you bring those 1% together, that the more they'll kind of pay it back in turn and, and help bring the next generation up. I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about your customer customer program reaching out in real life and building the community there. How has that been, you know, beneficial over other aspects of the community? Um, you mean like in-person events or one-on-one yeah. outreach or what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like getting people, well, this is the C2C podcast. So like customer to customer marketing, like getting people together in person, getting your customers to be, you know, sort of advocates for you on behalf of the brand and the product. Uh, just like getting people together in real life versus, you know, filling out questions in an online forum or, you know, or something like that. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to bring people together in real life as as much as you can, whether that's budget or bandwidth or whatever the reason is. But um, I think it does become more real when you meet people in person. And I'm like a, you know, an, an, an online child. I spend most of my time on the Internet. That's where a lot of my communities are. But when you meet people in person, it, it like validates those connections that you've made online. That like, oh, like this is a real person. We really do get along well. We really do have this shared interest. And then it like doubles the kind of feeling that you get when you then interact with those same people online. It's like really takes that relationship up a notch when you've been able to share a coffee or drink with someone and have that shared experience. So, and I also believe that it's kind of one of those things like everyone learns slightly different. I think everyone has like a slightly different way they want to be involved in community. And for some people, that online thing is the only thing that they're comfortable with. But other people, the in-person event is everything. And that's what they're really holding on for every month. And that's where they feel most inspired and connected. Yeah, and it seems like the more and more, you know, we go online, you know, you just have this sort of pendulum that's been swinging for months and, and years, really, of like, you know, the lack of trust in what we see online. And, you know, the trolling and all the negativity that happens online. I mean, we, I don't know, I'd be curious to know if, how many negative things you've had with your in-person event experiences. I, I mean, I know for StartGrand, we've done over 10,000 events and, you know, I can count even negative things. They're not even really that bad, but just on probably one hand, like, is it overwhelmingly positive? Is it, is it somewhat negative, somewhat positive, like, especially compared to online community building? How has it been for you? I mean, no troll wants to be a troll in person. So it's amazing. <laughs> it's definitely if you care enough to leave your comfy home and travel and go to a place where you don't know anyone like, wow, that's pretty special. And you're probably doing it for positive reasons. I've had people like passionate and frustrated with things, but hell, I'd rather they come tell me than write that on Twitter or just feel that way and never get to share that feeling. So but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's worlds apart, um, mo mostly positive. 
just sometimes frustrated. But I think that's why it's always important to have that kind of open Q&A session to get like a sense of the vibe of the community. Like, what are people feeling right now? Is everyone in this room angry with this company? That's not a good thing. If, you know, I'd rather know that than not. Um, Did no one come? Like, that's a bad sign. Or even measuring like attendance rate or dropout or you know, which kind of people of your community came to this event. There's there's so much learning to be done by having them. Awesome. Yeah, social can be a powerful tool as well. It can also be a lot of noise. How do you suggest our listeners use it to gain sort of active community members versus, you know, vanity, you know, metric followers or uh, subscribers? It's funny. So I've, I've run social media throughout my career as a community manager and I just recently hired a social media manager at Patreon to do it full time and how we managed it is so different. It's fascinating to me and now I realize that I've always ran social as a community manager and not as like a marketer and so and I think that's kind of why it tired me is because I would take like every tweet you know to heart I'd always be looking for trends and what are people saying and feeling and what's the sentiment and really like wanting to get everyone an answer and really social media I mean, you need a big team to do that. And I think for a lot of people, it might just be best as like an extension of your brand message and your marketing. However, having said that, we did a actually a campaign yesterday called Share Your Studio. And we encouraged creators to share photos or videos or drawings of where they create their artwork. And it was awesome. And that like proved to me that social and community can work hand in hand. It, you know, being able to see where people work helped the company, you know, remind the, the community as a bunch of humans who are just trying to survive in this world. And for the community, it was really inspiring to see where these people work with. And maybe you like, oh, hey, like, I have those paint brushes too. Like, aren't they the best? Or wow, I, you know, you've made that space really beautiful. But, you know, I wish I wish I could have a space like that. Maybe one day that's kind of what I'm going to aspire to now. So I think the more kind of programs like that you can do where you encourage active community engagement. And even if it's small, at least you'll see the people who responded. And and then that's the sign to you that they're active, engaged community members. And I was quite like doing like a weekly touch point, like on Twitter, just being like, what reaction gift like summed up your week this week? Or, you know, how do you feel about your art at the moment? And just let people like just express themselves through gifts or emojis or whatever. And it's just it's just like a way to like laugh it off and kind of feel that sense of community online, even on Twitter. Awesome. As we finish, I always love to ask people what community are they engaged in and love outside of the community they work on? And you have the letter writing club. Would you please tell us what this is all about? I think I need to join. <laughs> so I was living in San Francisco for a couple of years, but we just moved to this place called Vallejo. And I've been really trying to ingrain myself in the local community there. And I saw a poster for a letter writing club at the bookstore. And I was very intrigued. And so I joined. And twice a month, a bunch of lovely people get together. We all bring stationery and stickers and postcards and books that we want to cut up. And we sit down and we write letters. And so they have a list of people who want to join a writing club. So just random strangers across the world. Or you can use that time to write letters to your own pen pals. Or, you know, if you've got a friend or family whose birthday it is, it's just such a nice like two hour period, just sitting down and putting your brain in a different gear and kind of doing something creative and full of gratitude. It's just, yeah, I really look forward to it. There's one this Friday. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thanks for being on the C2C podcast. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.